Hi, welcome back and thanks for joining us here today. I'm Jamie and I am a blues disciple. Now please join me for a little while to hear some excellent blues from a few of the masters of the blues. Blues Disciples is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and please note that earphones or earbuds will enhance your listening experience. And for your convenience, you can click on the playlist to expand its size for easier reading. Today, we'll hear excerpts from a recent interview we had with Mr. Justin Showa, a Mississippi native, blues string and electric bassist, producer, restaurateur, and friend of blues legend. Mr. Lee Chester Ulmer, who was tagged with the abbreviated name L.C. by his mother soon after his birth in 1926 or 28 in Mississippi. Justin met L.C. around 2005 and performed, toured, and recorded with L.C. on his only published CDs. L.C. was born into a multi-generational musical family. And at nine years of age, Elsie's parents bought him a Gene Autry guitar that set Elsie on his lifelong path. As a child, Elsie's influences included early country music legend and family friend Mr. Jimmy Rogers and early blind guitar blues legend Mr. Roosevelt Graves. Growing up, Elsie worked in timber and railroad camps during World War II while honing his guitar-playing style. He then left Mississippi for the first time around 1947 for stints in Arizona, Kansas, California, and Illinois before returning to Mississippi for good in 2001. I started off asking Justin how he became immersed in the blues. Absolutely. My entire family, my dad and my mom's side, are both from the Mississippi Delta, from the Hollandale area and the Belzona area. So mainly what I grew up with was my dad's record collection and hearing artists like Son Thomas, artists like Sam Chapman, people that were from the neck of the woods where he was from and grew up around. I remember specifically being turned on to them by my dad and his records. I never played music growing up, but I listened to a lot of it. So that's kind of how I fell in love with the blues, I suppose, was was country blues. You know, that was my first love as a kid, remembering hearing that. And then when I got old enough to go off to college, I chose to come to Ole Miss, was turned on to Junior Kimbrough, Arl Burnside and the Hill Country found, which really just blew the doors of my mind completely open. And then I started playing music when I was in school at Ole Miss and was played with a lot of different people, some of which were blues artists. Befriended some guys in a group here called Afrosippi, started playing with them, which explored the connections between West Africa and North Mississippi music. So went further, deeper into that and even studied that in college uh, with the Southern Studies program here at Ole Miss. And then met LC, I guess, in would have been around 2005 or six, I believe, somewhere in that in that area, and was asked to play with him and record him. So that was really my first direct interaction with with someone that you call a blues man. You know, that uh, actually getting to play with and learn directly from someone like him. So that just took me further into that love for it. You know, and that's that's just a brief, yeah, that's kind of a brief outline of how I got into it. I then asked Justin about some of Elsie's early musical influences. One of his earliest memories that I remember him telling me was uh, seeing Blind Roosevelt Graves play in Laurel. 
a lot of people credit Roosevelt Graves with being the first rock and roll recordings. You know, I think he recorded in like 29 and again in 36 with like a band we called Barbecue Boys. I think it was, but they had piano, kazoo, guitar, drums, I believe. Like it was the first time like a whole band had recorded quote unquote blues. And so you can hear what Elsie Oma heard on the streets and in the venues of Laurel, Mississippi. Here is Mr. Roosevelt Graves with his vocals and guitar and his brother Uroy on vocals, tambourine, and kazoo, along with Cooney Vaughn on piano with their 1936 recording of Barbecue Bust. Then I asked Justin how they pulled together and recorded their 2011 album titled Blues Come Yonder. Well, another artist that I was lucky enough to meet and work with was Jimbo Mathis, and he was recording with Buddy Guy on the Sweet Tea album here in Oxford back in, I think, 2001. 
So he met him while he was in town doing that and got to know him and began doing some projects with him. And so when Elsie Ulmer started coming around and talking about making a record and wanting to record, Jimbo had a recording studio in Clarksdale called Delta Recording Service. So he actually recorded Elsie before I had ever even met him. So he made one record there that never cited a day to my knowledge. We went to Italy. They made a live record there that was pressed in a limited fashion, maybe a couple hundred copies. And then we were doing some shows in North Mississippi and maybe Memphis. I can't remember exactly, but he was here in the Oxford area for a few days and I was able to talk him into Let's go on over to Como, which is where Jimbo's studio was at this time. He had relocated from Clarksdale to Como, and I was working as the sound engineer at the studio, so I kind of knew how everything worked and how to run a session. So I produced it insofar as I was responsible for getting the musicians there and making sure all the microphones were on and recording correctly, you know. But I never did say, hey, why don't you do this or why don't you do that? It was just kind of a playground of vintage amps and guitars and other instruments that he had access to. So it was really just whatever you see that you would like to play, feel free to pick it up, you know. So it wasn't production in the sense that I was trying to steer it one direction or anything. It was more just to be there to make sure everything works, you know. And he seemed at home. So he agreed to come over there and spend a day recording. And Jimbo volunteered to play drums. And we had another friend of ours, Wallace Lester, played on a handful of songs. So that's kind of how it came to be that Blues Come Yonder got recorded he never had songs, per se, as you and I would know them, you know, like, I think he's the only artist I've ever played with that never once called out a song or said, we're going into this key or anything. He just started playing, and anybody that wanted to jump in, feel free to do it, but very spontaneous, drawing on his well of knowledge, and I guess he just trusted us enough to be able to chase him around, you know, but yeah, it's a little bit like chasing a rabbit through a cornfield or something, you know, just sort of, God, where is this, where are we going now, and that made it exciting, makes it exciting and keeps you on your toes as a musician and really have to listen. You know, you really got to listen. And even when you listen and think you've got it, you may or may not. And the thing about LC was he absolutely thrived on the chaos. Like the more he felt like we were chasing him, the bigger he smiled, you know. So he, he really, he, he really enjoyed that. So at this point, I asked Justin to tell us a little bit about some of the songs as we played them, starting with Left Me Standing Behind. Okay, Left Me Standing Behind, I thought would be a good one to put first because the recording session went sort of chronologically. Acoustic guitar was the first thing he picked up and started playing. That one's a good one because it just sort of demonstrates the style that he would have been playing in, maybe solo. And it also is about a train and how he was left standing behind there at the station. So because his music has so many themes in it and trains being one of them, seemed like a good place to kick it off. He helped to build the railroad trestles across Lake Pontchartrain when he was like 14. I think he left home and worked actually building and driving railroad spikes into these huge trestles. So it's not just a topic that appears in his songs. It's something that really busted his butt uh, working on physically and manual labor.
baby left me That is a different sound, ain't it? Next was Hard to Get Along. 
This one, he's going into an electric guitar, and it seems to kind of have that droning stomp quality to it that I feel like shows up in the blues when it involves labor. You know, sort of this driving of the spikes or chopping timber or whatever it is. There's a, a monotony there that I thought this was kind of a droning boogie that shows the beginnings of him getting into the electric guitar, which ultimately would be the thing that you'd want to do if you were looking to get out of a place and travel around and get to some more ears. You know, the acoustic can take you so far, but you really need an electric if you want to be heard, which is what all the guys discovered when they got to Chicago. That's kind of how electric blues was birthed. So it kind of shows how we're starting to get out of acoustic and get into a place where, oh, I can play louder, you know, but I do feel like it's a good example of his style, specifically how it maybe is unique from others. It's not Delta. It's not Hill Country. It's just like, I don't know, I call it like woodcutting blues or something. It goes along with that monotony of driving a spike or cutting wood. Peaches Falling. Peaches Falling. That, I believe, goes back to like the 20s. It could be Yank Rachel or somebody else. It was a, a song I know he did at one point and a lot of others did too. So this is just sort of like a traditional blues, you know, and he, he breaks out the slide here too to show us he can do that. But yeah, it's interesting in that it shows how a song that may have been popularized, he's able to take it and turn it on its head and do it his own way. And it comes out as something that only only Elsie Omer could sound like, I feel.
He's like a peach tree Buying your peaches every day You're like a peach tree Peaches every day. Your leaves start turning brown. Your peaches start falling on the ground. Take care of your peace tree So the one won't knock it down Gotta take care of your peace tree Knock it down. Got to put the ashes around him to keep the one from going down. Hey, boy. Trouble no more. The roots of this song comes out of like a muddy water sentiment. But again, it's his own interpretation, something that he would have heard and then filtered through his persona, come out the other side as something that's really uh, specific to him. I got three different keys I play in like that. I got two more open keys I play in. And I can cross one of them keys and good gracious. Oh, I, I, I set up late at night and practice these things. I'm going to show you something to do. You say you leaving. Do you call that gone? You left me, girl. 
my home But someday, baby, ain't gonna trouble old buddy no interesting because I can't really hear me ask it, but I asked him who was president at the time this song came out because he had said this was one that came out on a record. I can't remember who the artist was that did it initially, but this is his version and I would ask him like who, who was president because he always talked about Hoover or Roosevelt or whoever might have been president at the time and then from there he would jump off, start talking about what it was like during that time. People were farming and double farming. Folks would farm all night, he said, through the darkness. They said, but when they came out when they finally came out of the fields they were singing this song or one like it I guess it took him back to that time of I think this song probably came out in like the 30s so he would have been you know an adolescent or something but yeah he remembers folks were trying to make as much money as they could but when they finally did give out they were singing these blues who was president Roosevelt yeah we have so much work pork was farming double farming pork would fly all night <laughs> And work all day in the woods. Friday, Monday looked like Sunday and Saturday, because when they come out, they had them get tall. Boy, time was rolling when that man put this in out. I got a big fat woman. Be shaking on a bone. I got a big fat woman. Be shaking on a bone. Every time she shakes, some man dollar gone. Says, ask my woman, 
Give me the smallest chain Hey Give me the smallest chain The baby dollar come dropping down Just let go up the rain Drop him down Say if you boy take my woman You can't keep alone yeah. Can't keep alone I got a new way getting down You monkey man You can't catch on Says your boy take my woman You can't keep alone Hey boy take my woman You can't keep alone I got new way getting down You monkey man can't get on. Says for my dinner, I want ham and pea. Hey, I want ham and pea. And for my supper, I want to be your lady. Say, let me feel your leg And it feels so soft Hey, hey And it feels so soft Say, baby, you know what you promised me Baby, please don't put me on Okay, so how about There Go All My Dough? There Goes All My Dough. Let's see. That one's getting into more of an electric sound. This is probably a good jumping off point for like when LC went to Kansas City. I think he went there in 49, I believe it was. And he started playing with J.B. Lenore and his band. And J.B. Lenore was from Monticello, nearby where L.C. was from. He had known him through the years and fell in playing with him. This would have been a shuffle, like an electric band thing that would have been coming to fruition around that era. It was a good example of some of the types of blues that he would have been playing with him at that time. You know, sort of like we're on our way ultimately to Chicago, stop over in Kansas City. But ultimately he didn't up in Chicago a few years after that, you know, but that's probably an example of the kind of music they would have been playing that, hey, we're about to go play for some audiences now. Let's get electrified. Oh 
chord boogie drones that just seems to stomp on down the line like a train similar to, to like a hill country thing in a way but different at the same time it doesn't have the same darkness that some of the hill country stuff has but it has that that monotony and that that drone hip shake would have been a dance from that time you know that a lot of times he'll make make up songs that's just this is for this dance that's a good example of that like the hip shake beginning dancers to come on out you know so once again, we're going to go into a place where there's going to be an audience. We we got to put on a show, and part of that is dancing. So, yeah, that's a good example of of one of those. Not quite as bluesy and dark, but more upbeat. Like something he could play all night and probably would. Thank you. 
play songs for the women and um like to talk of them and this is one of those it sounds like i don't know how exaggerated it is but yeah um he's been busy rounding up girls all day that's pretty straightforward you know it's like, i've got my vehicle i earned this you know i've got my guitar and y'all come on and ride with me it's uh <laughs> yeah that's that's about all i know to say about that one but i think it's kind of a proud number
Come Yonder, the title song of your CD. Blues Come Yonder. Yeah, that one's just him on mandolin. I believe he was plugged into an amplifier. Kept saying he knew how to play mandolin. I never heard him play it before then, but kind of got his own version of what it means for a mandolin to be in a tuning. Whatever that tuning is, was how he put it. And it's interesting just because it has that same repetitive kind of droning, a dissonant quality to it that it reminds me just as much of like a West African groove as it does an Appalachian one, you know, which is traditionally what the mandolin is associated with. But even in that, he's different from Johnny Young or Yang Rachel or another African-American mandolin player that may come to mind. But yeah, it's, it's like an outer space track in my mind. Like that's why I think chose that as the title track, just because it seemed to exemplify like this is definitely a one of a kind.
I saw the light. Yeah, yep. That, again, some great slide work on um, electric guitar. Just a genius interpretation of something that obviously was a country song. But since Hank Williams learned from African-American guys and had that background, as well as his other influences, it feels like full circle in a way, like LC taking one of his songs and then interpreting it through his lens in a way that could only be him, you know. So, yeah, that one's really special and unexpected. Nobody knew. I'd never heard him do that song. Our next podcast will feature more information about Mr. L.C. Umer and his music from more of our discussions with Justin Showall. We'll get into the little-known CD they made during a 2007 live concert Justin and Mr. Umer recorded in Parma, Italy, titled Long Way From Home. We appreciate very much the time that Justin spent with us 
and his efforts in working with and recording the great music of Mr. L.C. Ilmer. So as we start to wind down this show, here's a sampling of one of the songs titled All By Myself. And thank you all for listening. Well, I begin to think about trouble Oh, Coming 
Ah. Uh-huh. 